When I reflect on the 2022-2023 season for the New Jersey Devils, one of the games that sticks out is Game 82 against the Washington Capitals. That was the game in which Luke Hughes got the game-winning goal in OT that clinched 52 wins for the Devils and thus broke a franchise record. So the Caps and Devils gave some memorable battles last season, but how are the Capitals looking going into the 2023-2024 season? I have a special guest appearing on today's episode of Locked on Devils. It is Tariq El-Bashir. He is a rinkside reporter for TNT. He also is a correspondent on NHL Network, and he's also a journalist for The Athletic. There's a lot to break down with Tariq in today's episode. Buckle up, everybody. Your Locked on Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked on Devils with Trey Matthews. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part-time credential MIA member, Trey Matthews. Once again, we are looking at the New Jersey Devils' divisional rivals and see how the Metro is shaking up. Next up on the docket are the Washington Capitals, and joining me on today's show is a reporter for The Athletic, a rinkside reporter for TNT, and a correspondent on NHL Network, it's Tariq El-Bashir. So, Tariq, you've built up quite the resume and track history for yourself. Thanks for stopping by to talk all things Caps. Of course. Thanks for having me, Trey. So, my first question for you is, for anyone who did not follow the Capitals religiously, just paint a picture of their 2022-2023 season. What went right? What didn't go right? I just want to hear your perspective on it. Yeah, if, if I were going to boil it down to, to one word, I would say injuries. Um, you know, every team has has guys get banged up and, lose, you know, key players are, are missing for, you know, a week or two at a time. What happened to the Capitals last year? I've covered this team since uh, the year before OB got here, and I, I've never, ever seen a team go through the type of injuries that, that they had last year. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom missed the first half of the season. Tom Wilson missed the first half of the season. He came back, played played pretty well, and then went right back out with a with an ankle fracture. Um, uh, Darcy Kemper missed an important month. Marty Ferravari was out, and of course, the big one, John Carlson, takes a ninety mile an hour slap shot to his head right before Christmas in the game where where Ovi got his big milestone, and he was out. Um, um, for a long time, almost until the end of the season. I, I mean, in my opinion, you know, any team loses their number one defenseman for that long, it's going to be really tough to make the playoffs, especially in a division that's as difficult as as the Metro. Um, again, you know, I, I'm I'm not a kind of guy who who blames things on injuries, but they were third in man games lost, and if you look at the guys they were missing. It was they weren't missing fourth line guys. They were missing star players. Um, they're getting up there in age. Uh, that said, it, it looks like they're going to come back healthy this year. Um, they've got a new energetic coach in Spencer Carberry. I thought Peter Laviolette did a good job, but you know, there's a reason that that NHL coaches have the shortest uh, uh, shelf life uh, in pro sports. 
they get tuned out, right? Uh, It's time for a new voice. Spencer Carberry has got a lot of uh, energy. Um, He brought on uh, a staff that's, that's got new ideas. Kirk Muller, uh, Mitch Love. Um, You know, I know you didn't ask me about next year, but let me, let me just throw out a little teaser here. I'm bullish on the capitals. You are. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, That's actually in my itinerary of questions, which is, talking about your expectations going into the new year. So basically uh, what was like the lowest point for the Capitals? Like when did you realize like this team is not going to make the playoffs? You know, I would say right around the trade deadline when general manager Brian McClellan had to make some difficult decisions, right? Uh, You know, this is a team that you could see they were going to struggle to make the playoffs. Um, they, They were, they were, you know, right there around eight, nine, but you could tell at that moment that this team, even if they got in, they were going to get housed in the first round. They just didn't have it. And so they traded away five important veterans on expiring contracts. You know, the biggest of which was Dmitry Orlov, but, you know, Garnet Hathaway, uh, Marcus Johansson, Lars Eller. I mean, they, they, they traded away some, some pretty important pieces of this team. And you could just kind of feel the, the air get sucked out of the room when that happened, because, you know, it's a veteran team. They all looked around and said, okay, well, I, I guess, I guess that's it. You know, they still hung around for a couple more weeks because um, you know, they were, they're a proud team with some good players and, and had a good coaching staff. They were able to hang in there. Um, but then uh, there was also a game in Pittsburgh uh, that they lost late on a, on a bad Anthony Mantha turnover that, that really kind of put the knife in them. But I, I, I feel like for me, the low point was that that week window right around the playoff when uh, McClellan, I think in retrospect, made the tough but right decision to start flipping some of his veterans on expiring contracts for um, Rasmus Sandin and some draft picks. So the Capitals finished uh, the year with a record of 35, 37, and 10. They had 80 points total. But I want to go back. What were your expectations going into the season? Because my expectations for the Capitals was that Alexander Ovechkin was going to do his thing. And obviously at this point is to see like which milestone is he going to break next in the (laughs) short amount of time he has left because father time is undefeated for a reason. But my thing was is like my only hope for the Capitals for the Devils to surpass them is like the Devils are much younger and the Capitals are getting older. So I was like, if the, I, I, I think the Devils can surpass the Penguins. They can surpass the Capitals and they can surpass the Islanders because they're getting older. So I want to hear your expectations going into the 2022-2023 year. Where did you see this team going? You know, I thought they were a team that was going to be in the fight for a playoff position. You know, I I, I think that, um, you know, some of the injury problems that, that, that they, they had, I mean, we knew about those going into the season. We knew Tom Wilson was going to be out until January. We knew Nicholas Backstrom was going to be out until January. Um, that said, I still thought they would be hanging around and might find their way their their way into the playoffs. And then after that, remember they went on that crazy run in December where they were quite literally the best team in the league for an entire calendar month. Um, then I was like, uh oh, do I need to do I need to readjust my uh, my my thinking on this team? And then came January and February, and it was like, okay, well, they've they've uh, more than regressed to the mean. They've uh, they've kind of taken two or three steps backwards, and um, uh, but yeah, I mean, 
my thought going in, I mean, they had made the playoffs in eight straight years. They were going to do it a ninth year, in my opinion. And then by the time February rolled around, I was like, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, so uh, one of the major offseason moves that the uh, Capitals made during the 2022 offseason was, in fact, trading Vitek Vanacek on the second day of the draft, I believe, to the Devils. And in exchange, the Devils gave up a couple of draft picks. I want to get your stance on Vitek Vanacek real quick, because so far, a lot of Devils fans are iffy on him. Because on the one hand, he did sir, he, he became the first Devils goalie since Martin Brodeur to eclipse 30-plus wins. But on the other hand, he crashed and burned in the playoffs. And in fact, it's something I talked about on my show, which is seems like Vanacek is a very good regular season player, but come the playoffs, things just don't really uh, go his way. And unfortunately, I thought I thought that's why the Capitals sort of gave up on him. So I want to hear your honest opinions on Vitek. I'll tell you, I love his story. I love a grinder. And he he is he is a quintessential grinder. I mean, he was in the minors forever, and the Caps kept recruiting over him. They kept bringing in higher draft picks and signing guys, signing free agents, and he just kept going. Oh, okay, I guess I got to work harder. Oh, they did it again. I guess I got to work harder. And he just kept working and kept working and kept working, and finally made it to um to to, to the Capitals. And once he got there, they were like, oh, you know what? He's pretty good, and they kept him around. Um, I, I don't know if he has enough track record in the postseason yet to say he's a player who can't handle pressure or isn't a good playoff goaltender. Um, you know, I, I, I think league wide goaltending is starting to, uh, uh, go towards players with prodigious size, right? Guys like Darcy Kemper, who was six, five and 200 some odd pounds. Vitek's not that big, you know. He, he's not. He's not. He's not a plus size goaltender. I, I think the Capitals kind of started looking around a little bit, and they were like, "Well, if all these six foot four and six foot five guys are having success, you know, our guy is six foot, you know, or you know, I, I'm not sure what they list him at, but I, I'm going to call him six foot six one. You know, they started going off. Oh, we got to start looking, looking to make a change. Um, I think he's got really good technique. I think he's um, very in control. Um, um, I do wonder how high his ceiling is. That said, you know, again, to me, goaltending is like is like defense. I mean, those are kind of, you know, uh, uh, positions where, you know, a, a lot of experience can go a long way. And, you know, even though he's not young anymore, you know, in terms of NHL experience, you know, I, I, I think – Another season, uh, we'll be able to kind of write the book on VTech. I think he can be really good. I, my concerns are the same one that everyone in the league has about him, which is size and track. Um, you know, that said, I, I think the Devils are a really good team. Um, and, uh, you know, they might be able to outscore some of their problems. They might be able to protect him a little bit. I, I'm, I'm not saying he can't do it. I just need to see a little bit more. Don't worry. There's still more in store with Tarek. But before we continue... I want to tell you guys about FanDuel because I want you guys to make some extra money. So football season is here and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you could get a bonus bets every time when they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets 
for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over and unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash on. All right, let's get back to our conversation with Tarek. Take it away once again. Yeah, so I think for VTech, I, I think his ceiling is still relatively high. Obviously, the Devils are not in that position without his services. That's the thing. So it's just like... That's a really hope- hot months, didn't he? Didn't he have a couple of months where he was like one of the best goalies in the league or you know, like, like a top 10 guy for a while there? No, he was. He, yeah, he- early on, yeah. He, in fact, was, and like I said, he is the first Devils goalie since Martin Brodeur to get 30 or more wins. I know the playoffs were it's crazy big, to hear. <laughs> yeah, I think Marty did it in yeah. 2012, 2013, somewhere in that time frame. But yeah. it's been a while, and the Devils have just been doing these musical chairs with goalies. So sure. there was the Corey Schneider era, and it got off to a really good start, but crashed and burned towards the end. Then uh, – like a couple years ago, you get people like Aaron Dell or the Hamburglar. Or, 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 see, I can't even name them off the top of my head. It just would go like it's just like it, it was just a revolving a door, door. Yeah. But now you finally get VTech, you get Akira. That's actually a decent duo. Is it the best in the league? No, but they still have a very bright future. And that's my. And, and, and that's my thing. I think VTech is still the go-to guy for the Devils. And if he doesn't have a, another good playoff performance, then you start to have those discussions. But when I see Devils fans or basically people just putting out these outlandish trade packages for Connor Hellebuck, I'm just like, you're going to go all out for a possible rental because Connor Hellebuck, more likely than not, is going to get paid like a lot because he's one of the best goalies in this generation. And unfortunately, I don't think the Devils will be able to afford them. So the the window is just opening for the Devils in the words of Tom Fitzgerald. So I have full faith in VTech, and I just want to thank the Capitals organization for giving the Devils this beautiful gift because I still think he can definitely be a very solid goalie for the Devils, and I, I, I think he still has a few tricks up his sleeve. I want to see some more consistency. You know, like I mentioned a, a, a minute ago, I you know he had some really good stretches. Um, I also saw a few games, you know, on on the tube where he looked a little shaky. So you know, let's see him put together a full seven month um, uh, season before we crown him. But I mean, I I, I do think he there is some more upside there. Uh, it'll be inter- interesting to see um, um, if the Devils other components can play up to where we think they can play because I think the goaltending will be good enough. While we're still on the subject of goalies, uh, a goalie that I was actually quite fond of during the 2022 offseason was, in fact, Darcy Kemper, who had just won a Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. And a lot of people have, I'd say, mixed emotions about Kemper because they were like, he was just blessed with a very good defense. He's not all that good. Well, with the Capitals, he had a record of 22, 26, and 7. He had a goals against average of 2.87 and a save percentage of 909. So I basically want to get your thoughts because um, Kemper did sign a five-year deal with the Capitals. So is Darcy Kemper the Capitals' go-to guy? Like, do you have faith in him to help this organization out? Absolutely. I I think last year, in so many ways, Trey, last year was just kind of an aberration for this team, in my opinion. Um, I, I mean – the, the injuries, 
you know, the, the hollowing out of the of the roster at the deadline. I mean, everything that happened after the trade deadline, I mean, you can almost throw those numbers away, right? I, I mean, that, like I said, it just sucked the air out of the, out, of, out of the room. It sucked some of the will out of some of the players. I mean, it, it just was a very empty feeling. It was a very foreign feeling for this team too this team had been so good and so consistent for so many years and to see a team get kind of dismantled at the trade deadline there was a lot of kind of like shock kind of like what what's going on here we haven't dealt with this before and then you know the they were already kind of going in the wrong direction and that kind of accelerated their demise um I, you know it, from what i saw of kemper last year um you know w- with a team that's not totally decimated by injuries you know, he's still a guy who can throw up a 920 save percentage and a 2.5 goals against and win 30, 35 plus games. You know, I, I certainly think he can do it. He's got to get the help. Right. Um, he also got some of the some of the worst run support of any goaltender in the league. So the, the Capitals didn't score a whole lot for him. Uh, they scored a lot for Charlie Linger in the backup. They didn't score a whole lot for him. So, um, you know, th- th- those are some of the numbers that I think, you know, the evaluators look at as well. Um, I, I think just in general, I'm looking for a bounce back season um, from, from the veterans. And I think Kemper is one of those guys. All right. Let's fast forward from the 2022 off season to the 2023 off season. So one of the major storylines was the Capitals re-signing Tom Wilson to a seven year extension. Uh, you got Max Petretti, a 2020 all-star. I want to get your thoughts on this. Off-season. Joel Edmondson, Joel Edmondson. Defenseman. Joel Edmonton as yeah. well. I want to get your thoughts on the offseason for the Capitals. What would you rate it? Are you satisfied with it? Is this going to help their organization? Here's your thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I thought they were going to do more. Um, I think they wanted to do more, Trey. I think they wanted to shake up the top six forward group a little bit more. But they're at the point in their OV era trajectory where they've got a lot of players on big contracts with no movement clauses and and limited no trade clauses and those are hard to move these days unless you really want to um uh you know do more than a than a nip and tuck or a shake up but you really want to like blow things up and they aren't at that they aren't at that point yet um then they're not going to blow this team up as long as Alex Ovechkin's on this team that they made those assurances to him when he when he signed his most recent extension that they're going to keep this team um, uh, they're going to keep good players around him. So they're limited by what they've promised some of their star players, Ovi, uh, one of them. Um, but they're also limited by what they can do because of the salary cap again going up very much. Um, uh, they're a cap team, and they've got guys on contracts that are hard to move. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, in my opinion their off season was actually what they did at the trade deadline. And I thought McClellan did very well to get Rasmus Sandin, um, um, pry him away from the Toronto Maple Leafs and to also get some draft capital that at some point he's going to be able to, you know, I mean, he's, he obviously just drafted some players in his recent draft, but he also stockpiled some, some picks and backfilled some picks that he had traded away in previous years. So he'll be able to kind of restock those cupboards um, a, a little bit going forward. Um, you know, Patch Reddy was an interesting signing. You know, he, he has a, a, a Achilles tendon that he's torn twice. Uh, he's not going to be ready for the start of camp. Um, it's unclear when exactly he's going to be ready. Uh, interesting contract structure, $2 million in salary, $2 million in bone and easily achieved bonuses, which tells me 
The Caps are also a little concerned about uh, how much he's going to be able to play. But you know what? When Pacioretty, I know he's an older guy, but he's been good into his 30s. If he can come back from this from this injury, I mean, you're talking about a legit top six player. Uh, and, you know, maybe taking all this time off, you know, maybe he's, you know, uh, a little fresher. You know, he's going to come into the season, let's say, in November when, you know, other guys have already gone through 15, 16 games. Uh, Joel Edmondson is a big, tough defenseman. He, he had some some back injuries in Montreal. Um, the Capitals were able to trade for him. Uh, you know, he's going to bring some snarl to the back end that maybe they lost a little bit of that physicality with with Dmitry Orloff um, uh, being traded away. Um, uh, you know, I, so I it's hard for me to put a, a, a grade on the offseason, but I will say I did think going in they were going to do a little bit more. But now that I've talked with the organization, I kind of understand why they didn't. They tried. They wanted to. But you're not going to trade a legit top six forward because you're mad at him and get back a fourth rounder and a, and a, and a, you know, a, a met prospect, right? You're just not, I mean, that's not asset management. If you can't find the deal you want now, then you can make a deal later. Remember Trey, you know, people look at the off season and, and roster building as everything that happens, you know, around the draft and at, and at uh, free agency, general managers look at it as all the way up until the trade deadline. So, you know, there weren't any big moves made this summer, but let's say a team has a major injury, a team that fancies itself as a contender has a major injury in training camp or in October. Now, all of a sudden, that deal you might have had a quick conversation with the draft. Now there's a little pressure on that other general manager to get something done. And now all of a sudden the conversations get going again. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there are some uh, they're looking at making some moves, you know, through that first half of the season as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager for the Devils. I think he made all the right moves during the offseason. The the main point of emphasis for, for Fitzgerald was to retain a lot of players, including Jesper Bragg, Timo Meyer, some of your players, players. Depth pieces like Eric Holla, Michael McLeod, Nathan Bastian. So players that play on the bottom six but still play a huge role on the team. So and it, Obviously, we could talk about Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer, Dougie Hamilton, the star players for the Devils. But uh, the one thing Fitzgerald uh, really cracked down on when I talked to him during one of his uh, press conferences was that he wants to have one of the best top nine in the entire NHL. And one thing that I was really impressed with was that he traded away a pending restricted free agent in Yegor Sharangovich to the Calgary Flames in exchange for Tyler Toffoli, who just had a career year with Calgary. So, yeah, I totally get you, which is like general managers like Fitzgerald, they're, they're looking at the big picture. And uh, Ray Shero, he laid down the um, the foundation for the Devils. But at the same time, Fitzgerald was able to take it to new heights. So that's my thing. I'm, I'm really happy with what um, with what the Devils have become. And Obviously, with the Capitals, a little bit different, an older team. But obviously, you guys have won a Stanley or the Capitals won a Stanley Cup just a few years ago. So you you definitely know what it takes to like build a Stanley Cup contending team. And it also helps when you have one of the best hockey players to ever graze the earth in Alex Ovechkin. But let's talk about your expectations. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, what are your expectations for the Capitals going into the 2023 2024 season I'm a little concerned with their age but middle of the pack 
kind of team. So you got the Islanders, you got the Penguins. Can the Capitals get back into the playoffs and surpass the Islanders and possibly the Penguins? I know the Penguins got Eric Carlson, but they did not exactly solve their issues in terms of age and, and their goaltending tandem really concerns me. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on on all points there. I, I mean, when I look at the Metro, I look at the Devils, Carolina, New York Rangers. Those are probably the three teams to beat, right? I, I mean, on paper, they look like th- those those are the top guys. Devils, Rangers, um, uh, Devils and Rangers in Carolina. Kind of, I, I feel like those three are going to be battling for the division title. Um, after that, it's kind of a free for all. Um, you know, I, I know Pittsburgh got Eric Carlson and everyone's going to be, you know, um, uh, riding that bandwagon at the start of the season. You know, he, he's he's definitely a, a fun player. Um, he, he's a you know, him and Chris Letang. It's going to be interesting to see how they uh, divvy up the, the power play time there. They're going to be a more fun team to watch. But Trey, getting back to what I was saying, you know, at the start, I know a lot of people think that Father Time has, you know, if last year they were he was knocking on the door, he's kind of kicked the door in this year. I'm telling you, these are these are some proud guys, man. Uh, you know, I, I've seen Nicholas Backstrom. He's been training hard this summer. He looks like he's in great shape. I saw TJ Oshie at a at a golf tournament a couple of days ago. He looks great. He's hungry. Alex Ovechkin, same deal. These guys all got back into town and have been skating together for several weeks. Um, kind of speaks to their um their 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 uh, dedication and kind of their mindset, the fact they're all here already training together. Um, but I think the the Capitals' biggest offseason addition is going to be Spencer Carberry, the coach. You know, um, uh, he's been in, he was in the system. He came up through South Carolina. Then he was the Hershey coach. So he's already got that built-in rapport with some of the young players are trying to integrate into the lineup, like a uh, Connor McMichael. Uh, he coached him in Hershey. So there's already a, that built-in relationship there. But then uh, uh, Spencer went to Toronto and ran that ridiculously good power play. I know he had some great players. The Capitals still have some good players, and that power play has to get better. I think he's going to come back, and he's going he's gonna, to um, react in that power play. Um, but more importantly, there's just going to be this youthful energy from the coaching staff. I think guys are going to want to prove themselves to the new coaches. Um, uh, it, everything's going to be a little more up-tempo and upbeat. Um, and I think if they get off to a strong start, there's a team that could hang around right until the end. Yeah. So Carberry was actually something I wanted to mention because I know he has head coaching experience before, but in terms of the NHL, this is his first time being the head coach. I believe his uh, last gig in the NHL was that he was an assistant coach for Toronto Maple Leafs uh, during the 2021-2022 season. So he has some NHL experience. And last year. And last year. And last year, but well, he came from Toronto. But at the same time, it's just like he's a rookie head coach at the NHL level. So with they also, that being- they also hired Kirk Muller to kind of be a sounding board, a guy who played a long time in the league, has been a head coach, has been an associate head coach, has been an assistant head coach. Uh, uh, he'll have plenty of support around him. And remember, it's not like it's not like he's a young, you know, a young coach with little experience taking over a team that needs to be guided. He's taking over a team that's led by. 35, 35-year-olds who've been in the league for, you know, 15 years. Uh, I don't think experience is going to be is going to be something that's going to hold him back. I think it's going to be quite the opposite. I think he's going to bring some of that some of that energy that maybe was lacking last year. And I think that's going to uh, uh, kind of trickle down into the room. 
Hey, Devils fans, you remember Kirk Muller? Legend right there. So I uh, just had to just had to mention that. Now let's transition uh, from strictly the Capitals to the head-to-head matchup, Capitals and Devils. Now we talked about this prior to the recording, but during the 2022-2023 season, the Devils beat the Capitals in three of their four matchups. Two of those matchups resulted in overtime wins for the Devils, one of which was a shootout win. Of the three victories, two of them were on the road in Washington. And their second matchup against the Caps during the season at home in Newark resulted in a commanding 5-1 to one victory. And I'd say the final game of the year against the, the Caps, that was probably uh, one of the biggest games of the season for the Devils because, once again, it goes into overtime. Luke Hughes has a wraparound goal <laughs> in OT, his first career NHL goal. And his brother Jack got the assist. You couldn't have, you couldn't have scripted it any better. It's pretty cool. Uh, but just to add more to it, obviously the Devils won that game. That was game 82 of the regular season. And that gave them 52 wins, which was a franchise record. So Luke Hughes, first career NHL goal, clinching the franchise record for most wins. Jack Hughes uh, helping out his brother with his first career goal. Honestly, it feels like it's a scripted movie in some sort. So that was I a crazy had... overtime session, too. It was. I, I, and, I, I was downstairs watching that. I had left the upstairs press box. I was downstairs and I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And to, and and also that was Mackenzie Blackwood's final game as a devil because oh, wow. he initially got the start, but he saw like eleven shots and four of them went past him. So that's right. In comes that's right. In comes Akira Schmidt to save the day, and yeah. and um, nothing got past him. Devils amount a miraculous comeback, and that was basically Lindy Ruff's uh, sign saying, like, Mackenzie Blackwood could not play during the playoffs, so Akira Schmidt er- got promoted to the backup role, and then obviously he got promoted to the starting role in round one. So that game just had so many crazy storylines. I remember it vividly it was so exciting to watch i think curse lazar got into it with someone but anyway i want to get your thoughts on the the devils like what did you notice every time the caps uh play the devils fast fast (laughs) um and you know for an older team i felt like there were times uh where the capitals just looked older and slower and and it wasn't just that the devil's legs move fast like they play the game fast. They, they kind of turn the puck the other direction fast. Their transition is quick. And that's the direction this game is going. And, and that's why I think, I think they are poised to take that next step. Uh, there, there are only a handful of teams, um, I think, in the league, and maybe even uh, you know, one other in the division that can skate with them. Um, and, and, uh, and they got star power now, right? I mean, they have some young guys, you know, led by Hughes, uh, Jack I'm talking about. And eventually, Luke, that are, I mean, like these are, we're looking at guys who are about to become superstars. Like they're on that verge, like they're stars, but they're about to become superstars. Um, uh, I, I really do think this Devils team, uh, if they can, if they can figure out the goaltending situation and and these young guys kind of take that next step, and I think they're going to take that next step this, this year. I'm not saying they're, they're uh, Stanley Cup contenders just yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if they made a run. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I mean, they, they've got all the right pieces. Lindy Ruff knows what he's doing. Um, uh, I, I personally enjoy watching them. Uh, I mean, like, like when I'm, when I'm, when the Capitals aren't playing and I'm at home and I'm flipping around, 
and I see the Devils are playing, I, I stop and I watch because they're just fun. They're fun and they're fast, and I love speed. So I got to ask you this because I know you are a PHWA member. Yep. What's what's it going to take for Jack Hughes to win the heart someday? Because I said like, whoa, whoa, whoa. can you hold on a second? I think I think I got to look at my, my I've cast so many ballots over the top over my years. I think I voted. I think I gave him a vote. Yeah, so I wish I could find my ballot on my phone. I wasn't able to find it. All I can tell you was he was not a finalist. That's all I can yeah. tell you. He was not a yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure he was in my top five uh, just just because I enjoy watching him play. And, uh, you know, as he's gotten stronger and, and more comfortable kind of dealing with the physicality of the NHL, uh, it's been really cool to kind of watch him kind of come of, come of age here. If he can stay healthy, oof, I mean, he's going to be a sick player. I mean – uh, he, he's, he's definitely what, what, like I said, I'm not covering the cap. I'm not home. I'm watching Jack Hughes. Cause I, he, he does some stuff that, uh, you know, in my opinion, makes him a top five, top, top seven player in the league forward in the league. Yeah. I'm really excited to, um, see w- what the future holds for the devils. Now, uh, I'm going to ask for your early season prediction. So, the Devils and Capitals will play one another four times. They'll first play each other on October 25th, then November 10th. Uh, they'll play January 3rd, 2024, and then February 20th. So I gotta, I gotta ask you, going against the the Capitals once again, Devils head to head. Who do you think uh, will win in, in that regard? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two and two. Um, and I, I, and the reason I say that is I think the Capitals are going to be a better team than they were last year. Um, I still think the Devils are going to be, you know, a top team. I think they're, they might have a chance to win the division. Um, I think the Caps are going to be a little quicker. They're going to play a little quicker under Carberry. And I think that that massive speed disadvantage is not going to be as pronounced next year. Um, I'll go two and two. All right. So my final question is, I know you already touched on this a little bit more, but I was hoping you could go into a tad bit more detail. You obviously uh, work for TNT and also um, you you do some stuff with NHL Network. So I got to ask you as an analyst, like how, what do the Devils need to do in order to become Stanley Cup contenders? Because a lot of people say it's a goaltending. Some people say it's the experience. Some people say they're just not ready for a time being. So uh, Tarek, you as an analysis, where would you say the Devils are at in terms of that development? Like, can maybe you could compare them to that uh, Capitals team that won what in 2018? Yeah, I, I I don't know. So the Capitals, in my opinion, when they won in 2018, you know that was a weird season where you know things didn't go right several times. I mean, they only fired Barry Trotz like twice during the regular season before winning the Stanley Cup. They went down 0-2 in the first round to Columbus, right? I mean, like, like that was that was not fluky building years. I still think the Devils are on the front end of their window. Like the Capitals won when their window was like as wide open as it was gonna be, and maybe even coming down a little bit, right? Like 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 that that was that should have been, in my opinion, that should have been their second Stanley Cup. They 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 had better teams in previous years, but they kept running into Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, right? Um, but I, I mean, that really should have been their second championship. Um, I, I, for me, experience matters so much. It just matters so much. I mean, the goaltending is a big deal. 
Um, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think that VTech is a, is a solid goaltender until he does it in the playoffs. I'm always going to have questions. I think a lot of people are going to have questions. Um, uh, it, it is a different game when you get there. Um, you know, that said, I, I'm going to go experience. And I, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, what's their average age? Probably 27 ish. I'm, they're, I'm one of the, they're one of the youngest teams one in the, of the NHL. Youngest, yeah. yeah. So, like, it, I was actually looking at this last night on Elite Prospects. So, when you look at some of the youngest teams in the NHL, you see the Senators, you see the Sabres, you see the Blue Jackets, you see like the Ducks, the Coyotes, yeah. and yeah. all those teams I just listed are not playoff teams. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think experience. I'm going to go with experience. I was talking to someone the other day, um, you know, not for an interview. We were just uh, chatting. And, and I said, I feel like someone's going to come out of nowhere this year to win the Stanley Cup. It just feels like one of those years. You know, everyone is going, oh, it's finally Toronto's turn. Oh, it's finally Connor McDavid's turn. I think someone's going to come out of nowhere this year. And win it. And it could be a team like the Devils. It really could be. But, but I don't know. I I I I think that I really do want to see more from the goaltending. And those stars got to take that next step. They got to take that next step. Um, but I, I mean the, the Devils, like I said, their window is now wide open. From here for the next six or seven years, this team should be in the playoffs every year with a good seed. And people should be talking about them. The team had a chance to, to make a run. Well, yeah, with Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Timo Meyer, uh, Dougie Hamilton, Andre Pilat, uh, a few others signed uh, for the next few seasons. I think that is the plan to try to get back to the playoffs. And once again, Fitzgerald did a good job of retaining some key assets and replacing the assets he lost. So like Ryan Graves and Damon Severson, they're, they're going to be replaced by Luke Hughes and, Colin Miller or Miles Wood is going to be replaced by Curtis Lazar or or Tomas Nosek because Nosek also likes to play somewhat of a physical game and then you replace or you upgrade from Sharon Govich to, to Foley and also to Tar. So I think it's uh I think Fitzgerald knows what the plan is. He knows what the assignment is, which is get back to the playoffs more consistently. So Tarek, we talked about everything: Capitals, Devils. Any closing remarks and also throw in a few of your plugs. Where can my audience find you? <laughs> um, closing remarks. Um, you know, I, I'm sad to say beach season has come to an end, but I can't tell you how excited I am. I mean, I, I've actually the past like 24 hours, I've just started getting totally immersed in all the preview sections. I'm starting to catch up on everything uh, that's being written around the league. There's This is my... 19th season covering the NHL 20th 20th season covering the NHL and I always go through that like that kind of period of mourning where it's like oh no more trips to the beach no more mountain bike rides the golf clubs go away a little bit but then that only lasts a few minutes and then it's like all right now it's hockey season time and I'm starting to get kind of I mean this is like the first this is the first preview interview I've done um uh you know of the new season i'm starting to get excited the the rookies are going to be showing up here in town here in the next couple of days going to be on the ice on over the weekend 
and we're off 100 miles an hour to the finish line. I mean, um, you know, people can find my work at The Athletic. They can also find me on uh, TNT where I'm on the on the TNT broadcast as a sideline reporter. And uh, I jump on NHL Network to talk about the Caps whenever something big happens. So um, I'm also on Twitter. You can find me everywhere. So make sure you check out Tarek on your television stations on NHL Network and TNT and check out some of his fantastic writing. Tarek, the pleasure is always mine, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this. Hey, Trey, thanks for having me. Give me a call anytime, man.